really never formally introduced Don. He is a uh, Don is a is a good guy. I've gotten to know Don, and he's a, Don's a quiet fella. He's a sort of a he's sort of an introvert personality, which that's, some of us are extroverts, some introverts, and some in between. But Don tends to be a quiet man, and uh, but I have gotten to know Don, and Don has a real calling in his life. He has shared some of the things that God has spoken to him over his life, and it's pretty profound, really. Uh, so. He, uh, as a person, he's a good person to get to know, and as somebody who I really believe has a genuine call towards, uh, towards a miraculous ministry, uh, he shared a dream with me recently where God really revealed his whole life to him, and it was, I thought about that dream since you shared it with me quite a bit. In fact, I wanted to talk to him about it, but if you want, did you want to say something, Don? I didn't want to just tell everything about you. I know you're an introvert, and did you just want to say anything, but... <laughs> Well, I just wanted to say that, you know, I've been here a year this month, and uh, I'm About glad time to be we, uh, here. Nice you. that you introduced me. <laughs> I'm glad to meet everybody. I am a little bit of an introvert, but uh, usually once you get under the surface, you can't stand me talking all the time. <laughs> but, uh, um, I've been thinking about that dream, too, yeah. and uh, found out I was in a different place in it than I thought I was, So, but uh, I'm just glad to be here and look forward to... Being a part of this family, I mean, uh, that's really where God's been working in my life. I, as an introvert, and I've been a little bit of a loner my whole life, and and God's really been showing me that uh, the body of Christ doesn't work that way. That we have to be connected, and we have to, you know, we can't fulfill our purpose without being connected to the other people who have the other other giftings and other abilities. And I'm just glad to be here. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great word. So, amen. I think that's what I was asked to do. I have fulfilled my task that Matthew assigned me. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to share something with you this morning. And, uh, um, well, anyways, I want to share out a book of Ruth this morning. And, and, um, I guess this is sort of a personal um, teaching that I'm going to, or whatever it is I'm going to give. It's not no teaching. It's just something that the Lord has been teaching me. And I would like to just pass it along to you. Um, if you look at the book of Ruth, uh, actually, I've always been fascinated with that book in the Bible. It's only four chapters. That was probably one of the reasons I was fascinated with it, because it's a quick, quick read. Actually, it's my, mom's, my mama's name is Ruth. So I had a natural uh, inclination towards the book because it was... It was named after my mama. <laughs> She's pretty old. And, no. She was named after Ruth in the Bible, and my, I actually have a sister whose middle name is Ruth. So it's a beautiful name. Isn't it a beautiful name, Ruth? It really is. And the, and the name actually means friendship uh, or, or acquaintance or relation is really what Ruth really means in the Hebrew. So uh, the book of Ruth is really a book of friendship. And I've gotten a lot out of that book over the years, honestly. God has spoken to me a lot of things out of the book of Ruth. I've, I've done teachings on it. I've went through the whole book years ago. Um, but, um, you know, one of the main things, one of the main things I, I think it teaches us is how to be a true friend. I think you can read the book of Ruth and find out how, what God looks, when God t- calls a person a friend, Ruth is a, a friend. And that's how we can become friends by looking at her life 
and gleaming from her life. But I didn't really want to talk about Ruth herself this morning. I wanted to talk about the other one of the other characters in the book. It's called Naomi. And Naomi was uh, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law. And what happened, I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you the first six verses, first five verses in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Here's what happened. There was a famine in Israel. And Naomi and her husband and her two sons decided to move away from the famine, to go find a place, you know, that they were starving, they were hungry. And so they moved to Moab, which was not necessarily a great place to be in those days. It was sort of the enemies of God. And so they moved there, and while they were there in Moab, uh, Ruth and her husband's two sons found wives. And one of the wives, not Naomi and her two sons, one of the wives happened to be Ruth. And the other wife happened to be a lady named Orpah. Not Oprah, but Orpah. You know, Oprah Winfrey. This is Orpah. A little different there. I was told that one time. I thought they were the same. But, but So they found these two wives, these guys did. And, uh, and the, but in the process of time, Ruth's husband died. And then Ruth, both of Ruth's sons died. Just a tragic loss in her life. Tragic loss. And so Ruth was there with Naomi and Orpah. They were there together, the three of them. And Naomi decides, you know, my, my husband's dead, my two sons are dead. All I've got is Orpah and Ruth. And she basically decided she was going to go back to uh, go back home. And you, you want to put that up there, Brian, Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to read some, starting in verse 6. Um, it says... Uh, then she, you can look up here, or you can look in your Bible. Uh, then she arose with her daughters-in-laws that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited His people by giving them bread. In other words, the famine was over, and so she decided she would go home. Uh, therefore, she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went out on the way to return to the land of Judah. So, so the two girls were were headed back home with her. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me, meaning their husbands and her husband. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each one in the house of her husband. In other words, she was blessing them and saying, You know, you need to go on now and find you another husband. Go home and find you a husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And I underline they lifted up their voices and wept because what I really am wanting to talk to you about today is relationships. And in our lives, the pain that relationships can cause us. They can cause us a lot of joy. They can cause us a lot of pain. In fact, if you uh, study the Bible, one of the first things that happened after the fall of man was there was a relationship split between two brothers, Cain and Abel. They was they. You know, there was a, diff- a difficulty, and the split got so bad that Cain killed his brother, murdered him. And so you see all through the Bible, relationships are a real issue. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, seven out of ten of them have to do with how we relate to, to each other. Only three of them really have to do with how we relate to God. So God knew that 70% of our lives would be relational with people with each other and how we do that in a right way, like don't kill, you know, basically don't kill somebody, don't steal from them, don't steal their wives, you know, all these things that he, he told us to do. And so God knew it, knew that we would have more problems, more issues in those areas than we would actually would with him, with God himself. Uh, 
And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And other words, she was saying, I don't have anything for you anymore. I've given you all I've got to, to give you, and I don't have anything left. Uh, Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. See, they're you know, weeping. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So Orpah decided that she was going to go home. Like, uh, like Naomi asked her, but Ruth decided to stay with her. Now, see, we're going to find in life there are going to be people in our lives that are going to leave us. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. There was nothing wrong with what Orpah did. Orpah just went back to where she belonged. In other words, somebody sent me a poem one time, and they said everybody needs the gift of goodbye. I think that was the name of the poem, the gift of goodbye. And there comes times when we need to tell people goodbye. And it's, but it's heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking for, for people to, to tell somebody goodbye, even under the right conditions, even under godly conditions. When God is saying, listen, you've come to a fork in the road, you're supposed to go right, they're supposed to go left. You understand what I'm saying to you? There are those times in our lives where we're going to go right and somebody we've been close to are going to go left. And the greatest thing we can do that, at that moment is have the grace in our lives to release them and for them to be able to release us, just like what, what Naomi did. Um... I wanted to read something to you. I'm just holding those thoughts. I, don't, I didn't put it up there because I sort of threw this together real quick this morning. Thanks to Brian Summers. I've seen him about 28 different versions of messages I want to do. And I, like I told him, it ain't my fault if they change. It's the Lord's fault. So blame it on God. <laughs> um, this is what Paul said. He said, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it never be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me that all Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And so what Paul was saying there is Paul was saying he was forsook by everybody. And I, I went through an experience in my life, and I've shared some of it with you, but it, it seemed like the last two years of my life, I, I felt like... I was going through this thing where things were being taken away from me. People were being taken away from me. Relationships were being taken away from me. And just in, it was every area of my life was touched. I mean, it's something as simple that many of people my age have felt is being, becoming an empty nester. It's not that you're losing your relationship with your children, but they are being taken from the sense that they're in the home with you and now they're no longer in the home with you. And this is what I found. When you lose your children you also lose all their friends that were with them. Because as many times we would get up in the morning and we would walk downstairs and we'd see eight pairs of shoes. We didn't know whose they were. They were just people up there sleeping all over the house. Friends. You know what I'm saying? And our, life, our, our home was full of sound, full of noise, especially when Grace was there. You know how girls are. Girls are loud. I, I can remember walking in the house and they'd been through Grace's friend and it'd be loud. And then all of a sudden they'd leave and it's like, man, it's quiet in here. 
all these girls have left. But you find out when your kids leave home that all that leaves with them because those people didn't come to see you. They came to see your kids. And it's sad. I can remember being one morning sitting there. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. It was dark outside. You know, it was dark still. It was in the winter. And I heard somebody, a key going in my door, opening the door. I'm thinking, who in the world is that? What is going on out there? I just sat there, and there comes walking in Andrew Stein at 6 o'clock in the morning, coming, coming to get Philip. You know, we're going to work out. I'm like, Philip up. No, go get him up. And I mean, it's like he was at home there. He knew where the key was at, got the key, just came in like he, he belonged there. And those things are precious, really. And that was, that was something we were losing. I, I had a couple of friends. This was sort of a negative. A couple of friends that I had long-term friendships with that we came to uh, some parting of ways over some things. Diff- some difficulties in our relationships. It was not easy. Very difficult. I went through a very difficult time with two real close friends where we, we uh, sort, of, sort of parted in our hearts from each other. And these were people I had known for, you know, almost 30 years and be close friends with them, considering them to be some of my closest friends and had fallen out with them. And, you know, the Lord's worked all, most of that out now, but that was hard. That was very hard. I went through, uh, you know, my daughter getting married. I mean, I had one daughter. I mean, I know most dads can relate to this. You know, you give your daughter away. I mean, in some ways you're glad, like, take the bills. <laughs> Guess what? You just married somebody who's got debt. <laughs> She liked, I told this guy, I told this guy, listen, there's one negative about grace. I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's clothes. She likes expensive clothes, and she likes a lot of them. He didn't believe me. About six months after they were married, I was asking him, I said, Michael, how are you liking being married? He said, I like everything except the one thing. And I really didn't think he was telling me the truth about that. It's the clothes thing. I just don't understand it. I mean, I said, man, you might as well get over it. Don't even go there. Just, you know, forget it. She's going to do it. She's always done it. Just make her pay for them. That's how we did it. You want expensive clothes? Fine. Get a job. <laughs> but it's hard. it was hard for me to lose grace in that sense. I mean, I was blessed that she got married. She was supposed to. It was hard for Philip to move out of the house. Uh, you know, I had a situation with my, one of my sons and where I, I felt like I sort of stepped across the line with him in his life, and he barely would speak to me for six months. Just heartbreaking, really. Uh, I mean, he was nice, but in his heart he had cut himself off from me, and then the Lord worked all that out between us. And Then I went through uh, where I lost, and I share with you, lost people that were close to me that died. Um, that was just a crushing thing for me, over, and that's happened this year. And Then you got the normal things. People leave the church. People are offended. You know, you're always going to have that. But I was just out one day talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I, I'm just lonely. I'm lonely. I don't feel like I have any friends anymore. I feel like they've either died or I've lost them. I'm just lonely, Lord. And, and the Lord began to speak to me about, He reminded me of that verse, what Paul said. Paul said, all had forsook me. And I felt the Lord, and then he said, but the Lord stood with me. I felt at that moment, it was like I came to a place in my life where God wanted to do something deeper in me than He had done. And I felt what he was, the Lord was saying is that you know, you're going to have to face this. You're going to have to face feeling lonely. You really are. You're going to have to face loss. But somehow in that, you, you need to find me. And what I, I just said, Lord, I guess you're just going to have to, you're stuck being my friend. 
Because I don't really have friends right now, Lord. I mean, it's not that I'm all, that nobody talks to me and that people don't come around, but I don't really have the friendship in my life that I feel like I really need. And I just said, Lord, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to become my friend on that level. And I guess I'm going to have to be your friend on that level, you know, however that works. And what happened, what is happening, what, what is happening is I'm finding a preciousness in God that I didn't know before. And I'm, and this, and I'm finding in this, I'm finding a preciousness in lots of things that I didn't know before. Because God makes other things precious. He makes relationships precious. He makes things in your life precious when you begin to find Him, God Himself, on, on that level. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you may or you might not. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, that song we sang this morning, Psalm 87, All My Springs of Joy Are in You. You see, in some ways that could be a very religious thing. It could be a lie for you to say that. Okay, but really the source of joy in our life, the source of joy in relationships, the source of joy in family, the source of joy in whatever you're doing with your life, really can be God. God can really be that for you. And God really designed us for Him to be that for us. That no matter what, the, the, you know, the wife that I love, you know, they've been married almost 30 years, deeply, that God wants to be the source of the joy in that marriage. And He really can become that. And all your friends, all my friends, all the things that I do, God can become the source of joy. And He can become that for us. And it, your life can change when you find God on that level. And I'm, I'm finding it, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying I'm there. I'm saying I feel like that was one of the things that God was trying to teach me. Because that, that was a, a, a sort of a bad day in my life, honestly. I was just out walking, and I was hurting in, inside of me. I was hurting. I felt really alone in my life. And I, and I cried. It was sort of like that was a turning point for me uh, with the Lord. Now, some things that I learned... Uh, about, you know, about Naomi, I wanted to put up verse 19, Brian. Verse 19 through 22. Just some things out of this book that really can help you in this area. Okay, it says, Now the two of them, this is Naomi and Ruth, uh, went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. See, everybody, you know, Naomi's home. Everybody was excited. And the women said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Do not call me Naomi. And, and the word Naomi means pleasant. So she comes home, everybody's, you know, there's pleasant. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. That's what it means. Call me bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. He's dealt bitter, bitterly with me. And see, there's a verse in Hebrews, I can't tell you exactly where it's at, but it says, God takes away to establish what it says he takes away the first to establish the second the context is talking about the old covenant and new covenant but that's a principle that I've learned in my life that God does take away to establish that many times when we begin to lose things and honestly the most precious things that we have are relationships our relationship with God our relationship with one another and when, when God begins tampering with those things in our lives when he begins to take away the most precious things, like that's what I was going through, he's taking away these relationships from me. You know, it's a, it's a crushing thing, and there is this opportunity for bitterness. 
there really is an opportunity for bitterness in your life. She said, I went out full, verse 21, and the Lord has brought me back again empty. I went out full. I had a husband. I had two sons. I came back. All I've got is my son's, my dead son's wife. You know, and to be honest with you, she's more of a liability than an asset. Because now I've got to figure out how to take care of not only myself, but her. And that was really the truth, because she had nobody. Why do you call me Naomi? Why do you call me pleasant since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So, so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. So, you know, that's sort of the, sort of the picture there. Um, now, what you're going to find, and I'm just skipping over massive amounts of, you know, the, the next three chapters. Uh, what you're going to find is, that, and this is important for us, okay? Because I find most people, when they are at this place, where Naomi was at, whether it be through loss of relationship, loss of job, loss of health, whatever, there is a great temptation to become bitter. There's a great temptation to shut down in your life, to stop. And I have had conversations with people who are messed up that I've counseled them, listen, the best thing you can do is serve somebody. Find somebody who needs help and help them. And most people don't do that. Most people want to pull back. But you see, here's Naomi in this state of bitterness, this state of loss. And what you will find in the next few chapters is Naomi serving Ruth. Naomi giving Ruth counsel about what Ruth needs to do with her life, where to go, what to do, how to respond in this situation. And I think that's one of the key things that we need to learn, that I've learned, that I'm learning. I want to keep saying that I ain't learned. You know, learning in the past tense is not a good thing, learning. Is that when God begins to strip you, it is not time to go sit in the corner and pout. It's really not. It's the worst thing you could ever do. Even though everything in you, just like Naomi says, I'm bitter, don't call me pleasant. Everything in you wants to go sit in the corner and pout. But the best thing you can do is to persons, people, the whatever that God's placed in your life, serve them, bless them, take care of them. And in that, you're going to find that God, that's where God will meet you. That's where God will reveal Himself to you. In fact, that is where your healing is really found. Because we'll see in a minute, that was the thing that very much nourished, gave life to, and, and gave uh, redemption to Naomi was through Ruth through this person who really seemed like a liability. Yeah, I got that. It's real important. Because I think most of us, this, that's human nature. You know, in the last, you know, 36 hours, I've had three people to say to me, I've got to, I can't, I can't, I can't, because I'm blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> if you'd have been with me that day when I was out walking with God, it was on a Monday, you know, that's the way I felt that day. I felt I can't, you know, I'm just, just lonely, Lord, you know, I'm supposed to be a pastor. <laughs> what do I can, you know, what's the story here? How can a person be lonely and be a pastor? Are y'all with me? Let's look at the, the other verse of, of Ruth 4, verse 13 through 17. So, you know, this is a man named Boaz that comes into the picture. Of course, Boaz was a, 
a great man. Actually, he's a type of the Holy Spirit in this story. And, no, and of course, Boaz, what winds up happening through a string of very, what I consider to be strange events, you know, like, for instance, now, this is, you know, this is Ruth, okay? She's not married to Boaz. He's up there working one night. She crawls in bed with him. I mean, honestly, that's what happened. And why did she crawl in bed with him? Because Naomi said when he's down there at these work and had a few, you know, drinks, go crawl in bed with the guy. And then he'll tell you what to do. He woke so he didn't do anything. He woke up and it scared him. Like, what in the world are you here for? You know, and he told her what to do. Just exactly what Naomi said to do. Get in there and do whatever he says when he sees you. She did it. And they wind up getting married. Boaz was a, a wealthy man. He was a farmer. He was a man of significance in the community. And he, and he marries her. And it says in verse 13, so, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife when he went into her. That's the biblical nice way of saying, you know what. <laughs> the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. That, you know, you've got to have that to have babies. You know, y'all knew that though, right? Everybody here is adults. And... <laughs> Trying to get y'all to loosen up, okay? And it said, uh, then the women, the same women who greeted Naomi were so excited about her coming saw, you know, what she was going through, they came to her and said, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, without somebody, without a close acquaintance, without a close friend, without somebody. You see, that's, that's the, the heart of God for people. And that's what we don't understand. When God begins to strip away people from your life or you come into these hurtful relationships, that God is there, He's involved in it, He's watching and see, that's what we don't understand. That's where we find God. In the most painful places of life when we lose relationships. That's what these women were saying. You have found God in all this. He's not left you as you thought He had. That's really the truth. He's not left you other closer. And may His name be famous in Israel, giving glory to God. And may He be a... Be to you or your store of life and a nurture of your old age. May God be that to you. See, and that's really what I was feeling. You know, that that's what God wants to be to us. That He wants to restore your life. And if you happen to be old this morning, He wants to nurse you in your old age. If you happen to be young, He wants to nurse you in your young age. That's what happened to Naomi. Is God met her. He met her when she lost everything, the people closest to her, in her most disappointed, crushed state. I thought it was 1230. I thought, man, I took too long here. <laughs> For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons. See, what really God will do in our lives is He may place somebody in your life that don't feel better. You know, this person don't feel good to me, Lord. They want to be my friend. I don't want to be their friend. You know, they're, they're not an asset. They're a liability to me right now. I don't need somebody like this right now. I need help, God. I need you to touch me. And I've got this person. If, they don't, if I don't help them, they're going to starve. And I'm starving myself. I'm starving, God, and you put this person in my life that I've got to make sure they eat. I mean, that's where she was at. But God used that very person. So the women said, hey, she's better to you than any of your sons could ever be. 
You had seven of those seven sons. This one was better. Now that's God. That's the redemptive power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom. They had a baby that says that. And became a nurse to him. In in the Greek, I'm not the Greek, but the Hebrew, it says that the child became like her child. Not like Ruth. It was like that baby was like Naomi's own personal baby, like she had had the baby. That's what it's emphasizing there. And then verse, I guess that's supposed to be verse 18. I don't know what happened there, but it doesn't matter. And the neighbor, neighbor women gave him a name saying, there's a son born to Naomi. It's very prophetic. There's a son born to this person who went out full and came back empty. And I'm going to tell you something. This is the truth about the gospel. If you really want something from God, if you want something in this life, there's an emptiness that you're going to have to go through. You are going to have to go through a place where you lose you really are. If there's no way around it, I'm telling you. There's, if there was a way around it, I, for one, would have discovered it because I have searched it out diligently in my life, trying to avoid God's ways and trying to figure out shortcuts. But there's no way around it. But there is a way when you come and you feel empty, you feel tired, you feel beat down, and you feel lonely. And loneliness is awful. It is an awful feeling to be lonely. I, I can see why people commit suicide from being lonely. There's a darkness that comes on you. That when you cry out to God and say, I just feel by myself, Lord. My kids are gone. My friends are gone. I'm alone. My people who were real close to me have died. I can't touch them no more. And Lord, you're going to have to somehow be that to me. I don't know how you're going to be that to me, Lord, but somehow. At that moment, there was not one firework in my life. It was a dismal day. I went on being pretty dismal feeling, honestly. And they called his name Obed. Now, this is so cool. I love this verse in the Bible. They called his name Obed. Everybody knows who Obed is, right? He is the father of Jesse. We all know who Jesse is, right? He is the father of David. In other words, that baby was King David's granddaddy. That's profound, really. And if you go back and you look in the genealogies of Christ, I think it's one in Matthew, it lists Ruth in there, a Moabite person who the Bible in another place says, no Moabite shall ever come into the house of the Lord. So here's this Moabite thrown up in there. You know, two women in Jesus' genealogy. Ruth, a Moabite, and old uh, Rahab the prostitute. Think about it. If you're an ex-prostitute, or if you're a prostitute this morning, there's hope for you. You can get connected into the genealogy with Jesus. See, we go through a lot of losses in our life, okay? Simple losses. You know, empty nest syndrome. Some of you may be feeling the loss of, loss of, quote, lack of a life's mate. That's a loss to a person. That's a hard place to be, not having a mate wanting a mate. Maybe you had one and lost it. Maybe you don't have one. Maybe you got one physically, but they're not really there. Those are losses. Somebody may have died in your life. Or this is one. This is one. Just people can relate to this one. This is what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.10. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, 
having loved this present world and has departed. Now, Demas was a, a traveling companion with Paul. Demas was a, quote, missionary person. I've been in meetings with other pastors and be talking about, some, they'll be talking about somebody in the church, and I just really can't believe this person, you know, they grew up in the church and they went on mission trips and they were on fire for God and, and now they're drug addicts. What happened to them? Whatever happened to Demas? You think about it for a minute. If you were hanging around with the Apostle Paul, the most spiritual man alive, and people around him forsook him, fell away from the Lord, that's, it's painful to lose people uh, that, that backslide. That, that's, that's another painful one, is people who backslide, fall away from the Lord. And, you know, you lose a preciousness that you have with that person. You lose a relationship. You lose all your investment that you've, you've placed in that person. All the hopes, all the dreams, all the encouragement, all the things that you really felt for them, you lose them. That's, that's painful. And, but you know what? I don't think we'll ever, ever, ever on this earth not have to experience that because Jesus even said this, in the last days the love of many, many would grow cold. He didn't say the love of two or three. He said the love of many. He's talking about born-again Christians who followed him Many, probably likely that's at least half many, because of the, the the parable of the virgins. That's that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? That's why I I feel in my heart it is so important for us to be able to find the Lord as the source, as the wellspring. Now that doesn't mean you don't have wonderful relationships with people, but God is the one who makes them wonderful. And without Him being that, then this life can become very dim and very dismal. There's something greater that God has for us this morning. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid about this. This is how it's going to come. It's going to come to you through loss. Okay? And that's really what we're faced with in this life. We are faced with loss. And we have a choice to make. Or we're going to be bitter. Call me Mara. I'm bitter. I'm not pleasant. I'm bitter. I've lost, lost somebody close to me. Somebody died. Somebody walked off from me. My son's not speaking to me. I'm bitter. Those are hard things to accept. Or we can, you know, go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, Paul said all had forsook him. All had forsook him. But you stood with me. And I need you, Lord, on that level. I need you to be that person who died. I need you to take their place in my life. That person who walked away from the Lord, I need you to take their place in my life. That person who's not being to me, what I really need for them to be to me, I need you to take their place in my life, Lord. And I believe when we allow the Lord to do that, that we can know Him on a deeper level. And I believe He can bring some healing into our lives that we desperately need. And He can bring a, a quality of spiritual life that we may not presently possess. So I'm on, I feel this this morning. I feel like God's trying to talk to some people this morning. That's what I feel. And I feel like He is offering to you that 
friendship, that relationship that you need to take care of your losses. And as you, in faith, reach out to Him, God will reach out to you. Now, this has been going on as a process in my life, and I, I remember the last person that died in my life, which was the most important person for me personally. I had told the Lord that day, I, listen, I, I can't take any more loss, Lord. I just cannot take any more loss. And within one hour, Becky calls me and says, her brother-in-law's dead. And it was like, I just thought, I can't do this. I just can't do it. I can't, Lord, I just can't. I don't even want to hear this. I don't even want to believe this. And, you know, of course, you didn't have a choice. But the Lord wants to meet people. And I believe God can meet us in our, our losses. I believe God can meet us in our most desperate moments. If you don't have a... If you feel like, you know, God hasn't given you what you wanted in life, let, let's just apply it in other areas. Maybe there's other things that you want that God hasn't come through for you yet. Or maybe God's taken some things away. Things away. It's all the same. It all applies. It's all the same. God maybe wants to be that, what those things were for you. Right, Y'all got that? So, um, this morning we're going to end and have communion and just um, ask the Lord to speak, to help people this morning that are hurting in the area, those areas. If you, if you feel like you're one of those people, I feel like God brought you here this morning to talk to you. So, Father, we just come to you and um, believe that, that, Lord, you really can be not just a song, not just when everything's good or when everything's thrilling, but you can be the source of joy in our lives. And you can be, Lord, the one who makes everything else so much better. And, Lord, I feel that there are people in this room, I know by a natural level, I know spiritually, Lord, that there are people in this room that are suffering greatly in this area, Lord. And I'm asking you, Lord, as you have really ministered life to me and have really helping me in my life, Lord, and helping me know you in ways I never really understood before, I just pray that for them this morning. I pray that they'd be able to receive you like that. Lord, even as, as Paul felt so deserted and forgotten, left in prison, and everybody ran away out of fear, <clears throat> Yet you, it says you stood with him. Paul knew you were there. He never felt forsaken by you because you promised him you'd never forsaken. He had a friendship with you that was beyond, it was uncommon. You were like a wife to him, Lord. You were like a spouse, a mate, a life mate, a life friend who walked through life with him. And I believe, Lord, there's people in this room that need that desperately today. And I'm asking you to give them that. And I believe there's people in here that have just suffered so much loss in their life. They're so crushed. They're, they're doing all they can to hang on, Lord. I pray this morning they'd find something greater than just hanging on. Lord, I pray you'd deal with their hurts and their disappointments, their sense of betrayal that they feel, all the negative things that the enemy just throws at us and what the world slings at us. Lord, I'm asking you today to do that, Lord. I'm asking you to do something miraculous, Lord Jesus.
I pray for the people in this room today that are lonely. Lord, just they're lonely in their life. Maybe they are all alone. Maybe they have no friends. Maybe they have no husband or wife. Maybe they have friends and husband and wife, but yet they find themselves in a lonely place. Father, I'm asking you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd become their friend, that they would find you as a true friend, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you for the ones in here who've gotten bitter and quit, that they could be like Naomi. Somehow they could rise above their bitterness, Lord, and begin to wash somebody's feet. And in that washing, Lord, they would find you as the nourisher of their life and that you would give them the things that they so crave and need, Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm just asking you for something powerful, Lord, to happen. And Lord, as we uh, receive communion today, receive what Christ, the seal of Christ's death and resurrection, Lord, his covenant with us, Lord, I pray that there are those in this room that would make a covenant with you today to say, Lord, be my friend. That's the covenant I want is a friendship with you today. I want you to be to me what I've lost. I just ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.